0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a hopefully Wi-Fi issue-free version of the House Divided podcast. Jeremy, how are you?
1: Doing good, Brandon. Uh, getting ready for uh, finals week. I hope you had a less eventful day than uh, your Monday on campus. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was bad. That was a bad time. It it made me feel a little. We're, we're
1: becoming multimedia, Brandon. You're giving the people live live videos updates of you on campus it's uh you're growing the brand
0: yeah i should start a vlog right as walk around i have very bad luck with pants uh this is just the latest in my saga of having pants issues uh we can get into more of that in the off season but uh yeah <laughs> that sounds it's, been a, good. it's been a week today was less eventful um let's get straight into a couple pieces of news we have uh, before we talk about some basketball and then hockey to end the show. Um today it was made I think official that sports gambling is going to be legal in Michigan. So big celebration on that. I can lose my money legally now.
1: Lose your money and uh I don't think it's you that's gonna be paying it unless it's on the uh, well actually kind of in a way. Uh you can pay a little bit more to the state because now you're uh you don't have a reason to hide your winnings, Brendan. Your big, big winnings from uh, all that money you throw around.
0: My, my very large, huge winnings, nobody's ever won more than me. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> if only I knew how to edit that out. Um, <laughs> with sports gambling le- being legal, uh, it's just really something to celebrate. I don't know if you've ever been up to Soaring Eagle but they were ahead of the curve. They uh, built a sports bar just purely for watching sports, they, like two years ago. Uh, so they clearly knew this was coming. But that'll be exciting. Maybe go up there for a weekend, uh, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, really, it's just yeah, actually because uh, there's not really any reason for it to be illegal.
1: Yeah, the uh, the other place that did that was um, I don't know if you've gone to Gun Lake, but uh, Gun Lake Casino was only like half an hour from me when i lived uh downtown grand rapids and uh, i went up there for a few monday night football games um as we would be gambling otherwise but they had a uh, good drink specials and stuff like that so it seems like they've uh maybe had an idea or uh, wanted to push for it but it's uh it's ramping up fast i know michigan's far from the first state to do this so yeah, it's yeah. uh cool to see cool to see we're not gonna be dead last in that at least but uh <laughs> yeah it should be you know I don't have to, uh, you don't have to worry about maybe getting a phone call from your credit union on uh, (laughs) some weird deposit you made at a Korean country or something now.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in Thailand. Yeah, I just spent some money in Thailand. So what? What do you, hey, at
1: least we could always just say we're online shopping, right? Yeah. We're online shopping at that, uh, um, uh, yeah, it was definitely a dry cleaner's. I was buying (laughs) a product from that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So in other news, um, we Michigan and Michigan State both had their ho- some hockey selections to the for the USA team for the World Junior Championship preliminary roster. Uh, for Michigan, Cam York and Johnny Beecher were selected, and for Michigan State, Christian Krieger was selected. I'm personally hoping for a pairing of York Krieger just for fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean they're going to have to. You know, it, my first reaction when I saw that Christian had made it, which I know. After the summer, it wasn't going to be a complete surprise as you made it later in the summer than Drew DeRitter did at some of their pre-eval camps. But uh, when I first saw it, I was thinking, oh, well, yeah, I don't think he's going to make it. But then when I looked in it a little bit closer and uh, noticed that uh, they're missing a lot of size and grit on that blue line, I was like, well, maybe they do take him. So <laughs> it uh, it surprised me. I still think you know, they usually carry about seven defensemen, so three guys are still going to get cut. Um, but yeah, it would be uh, it'd be surprising because it's pretty rare to see a kid go from never playing on the NTDP to making the World Junior roster without really, I mean, he's been good in college, but I don't think anyone saw that jump coming. So uh, it would be a pretty cool opportunity. And it's been a few years. I can't remember, you know, the last guy from MSU on the World Junior roster. It might even be all the way back to like the David Booth year. So uh, that's a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it'll it'll be fun to see them at the World Juniors. For those who uh, maybe don't know as much about the World Junior Championships, it's one of my favorite two weeks of the year, that tournament. Uh, and we're, we'll definitely be providing some updates on this show because I've been looking at some uh, athletic schedules for the next couple weeks, and it's a bit slow. So we will definitely be providing you some coverage of the World Junior Championships, especially with, as it goes for those three players um, to get to a little bit recruiting on the football side. Uh, Theo Johnson, the tight end out of Ontario had his decision yesterday and he committed to Penn state over Michigan, uh, which bums me out. Theo Johnson looked like a pretty good player. And this feels like one that's going to have me shaking my fist in a couple of years when he's scoring touchdowns against Michigan. Was he ever
1: like a Michigan lean or was this kind of always an even race?
0: It was weird. I looked at the crystal ball picks that morning and it was like three of them in for Penn State, but only one of them was in from like from this month. The rest were from January. And then a bunch of like the lead analyst, I think that 247 had was undecided. So I thought Michigan had a chance enough to at least mention it. A lot of people were kind of excited at the potential for him coming. And I'm not surprised he picked Penn State, obviously having those be the, the only crystal ball picks being for there, but uh, still.
1: Yeah, it's a tough loss. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, as we get closer to signing day starts, actually, uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, next Wednesday. Um, the early signing period, Wednesday through Friday. Uh, you know, do you know, have any feel on how many guys uh, Michigan's still in play for, or do you think their class is mostly wrapped up?
0: uh i honestly i haven't been following the uh football recruiting as much as i usually do so i'm not 100 percent sure um i know that they have a class that's like okay lots of four stars uh but just lacks that high high-end talent like i'm pretty sure ohio state has seven or eight recruits that higher than michigan's highest rated recruit but uh Nonetheless, we, we can look, we'll definitely look more into recruiting for uh, next week's show and uh, cover a little bit with that early signing period beginning. Um, Jeremy, are either of us happy with our bowl games? I'll let you go first.
1: Uh, I mean, I got to say, okay, I wish it was in Detroit, number one, um, just for the chance for me to attend but when I kind of talked about last week for the players, it's pretty cool that they get to go to New York city. I, uh, like I mentioned, I had been talking with Matt Seibert and uh, he had mentioned he's not been in New York. He's looking for New York restaurant recommendations. So I told him I'd get back to him with those um, as I have also never been to New York. So I'm just trying to throw his net a little bit wider, but uh, no, I think it's cool for the players. And to be honest, I think what i most like about it is it's probably the best matchup out of all the options I saw. Um, I was pretty concerned about playing Florida State because they've had such a bad year, but that'd be an ugly, ugly loss. And sure, it would be bad to lose to Wake Forest, but, you know, it's a team we've never played. That's kind of fun. And, uh, yeah, I guess from what I saw for the opponents, I think it's probably my favorite opponent option because I really don't want to play Narduzzi. (laughs) Uh, there's really nothing good that was going to come of that. (laughs) Um,
0: We always say on this show, it's all about perspective. I think there's a lot that could come out good out of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, But as someone who doesn't know if I really want to hold on to the D'Antoni era, so hard to have him be the coach in waiting. Um, Losing to him in a bowl game would have probably just made too many people want him. Uh, So, yeah, Wake Forest should be fun. I, uh, I love the QB one show on Netflix. Uh, me and Ant Wright, he got me into that show. Uh, and Wake Forest oddly enough has two of those kids. Neither of them start at quarterback though. So, uh, I can see them on the sideline or maybe if they, uh, they put some reserves in, um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, I don't know a ton about Wake Forest. So yeah, we have a few weeks till we preview it, but I'm not that upset about it. I mean, uh, I think i 'm probably happier than you are with your game
0: <laughs> so it turns out I am not allowed to decline a bull bid for Michigan um, have, you I,
1: have we tried
0: I do not want bama i, I not even a little bit um, while i 'm a you you know and i 've said before i 'm a sucker for uniform like combos on the field and Uh, it'll be cool to see Michigan's uniforms and Alabama's uniforms competing just aesthetically, two classic brands. Um, What's actually going to happen on the field will probably be less fun. But, hey, I'm going to be optimistic because that's always gotten me happiness as a Michigan fan. And uh, maybe they'll come out just super disappointed, you know? Although I was listening to the shutdown forecast, and they were like, Somebody brought that up and they're like, what happened the last time Alabama went to the Citrus Bowl instead of uh, the national title game or playoffs? And I believe it was when they tried to murder Kirk Cousins.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm very aware. Um, I think everyone loves to remember the like unmotivated Alabama that lost to Utah. And kind of use that as a, oh, oh, we'll see when they're not in the playoff. They're pretty unmotivated, which first of all, is a ridiculously small sample size. If you really want to talk about Alabama not being in a national championship game or a playoff game, Um, you don't have many options. And so you can use the Utah game. But as someone who watched every little bit of that Capital One Bowl, I can tell you they can go the other way. (laughs) They they can be – quite a bit ornery. I will say one thing that's different now from that Capital One Bowl game is the obvious uh um the new trend of players sitting out. Uh but I don't think Alabama's backups are any less daunting for this Michigan team. Uh with the marquee win being Notre Dame, I would say this is probably about backups with Alabama are probably about as good as the starters at Notre Dame, right? So uh it should be equal talent level from there. But I don't think it'll be a capital one bowl ugly. I I don't think you guys will get shut out. You will not get the playoff treatment that we got. Uh, You'll score. I just don't know if it'll be pretty.
0: No, it might not be pretty. Um, One thing, I'll, I'll give some credit to my grandpa tonight because he did tell me Alabama's defense does not, has not looked that good all year. And if Michigan needed anything to be Alabama's deep weakness, it was it's that because Josh Gaddis proved he is a good offensive coordinator, or well, I I guess you can't say proved yet, but he he showed some signs of a really good offensive coordinator the second half of the year. Um, if there's any position group on this team that I think could give Alabama fits, I think it's the offense. And, you know, at least if we lose, it could be like a shootout type thing where, sure, we still lost by 30, but we scored 20 points.
1: I do think it'd be because uh, it was hoax when you guys played uh, Alabama last, right?
0: Yes, sir. Coming right off the heels of an 11 2 season with optimi- optimism soaring.
1: I will say the harbaugh saving, like press conference, being on the field, yeah, that will be interesting. Uh, Nothing might happen, but I I still want to watch it just to see in case something does.
0: (laughs) Oh man, I just I'm I'm still laughing because on the full cast they talked about Saban and Harbaugh at Disney World together, and it just (laughs) it's so funny. I it it is absolutely one of the most hilarious coaching matchups. It would be less hilarious if this were actually in the playoff. It'd be like oh. But the fact that it's just an exhibition game makes it even better. All right, that's enough talking about football. I'm sick of talking about football, if I'm being honest. Let's move on to some basketball. Uh, This week, we got to see Michigan State play Rutgers and Michigan play Iowa. Let's uh, start with the more recent game, uh, MSU and Rutgers. Jeremy, give me your opening thoughts
1: uh man it so they ended up I think the final margin is 12 points multiple points during the game they made a run to be up by 11 12 13 points Rutgers would always work it back down to a three or four point lead It would expand back out so never really felt comfortable like you should <laughs> um, it certainly didn't feel like a 12 point win and I think part of that is at this point the anxiety of just some point before the sun burns out Earth, we're going to have to lose to Rutgers so (laughs) the longer it goes until we lose to Rutgers it just gets more anxious every time that you play them and it's closer than you want it to be Um, but still a lot of issues to work out uh, at this point in the season but uh, it's been a weird season Izzo kind of mentioned that in the post game of uh, I don't think using the Zachary Winston situation as a as an excuse by any means, but just between that and a weird schedule flying out to Maui so soon after and just all the stuff going on, I think they've pulled back on practices more than they normally would in this season without some distractions going on. And it definitely shows Uh, problems are staying consistent. They're not getting worked out, but that could just be due to the fact that uh, they're not practicing at all. So, or as much as you would like. Um, So yeah. It was ugly. They have to work on turnovers. They have to get Aaron Henry to be confident. That was the thing I noticed the most was not just Aaron Henry, but multiple times guys would be open for shots, and they would just pass it up. Uh, So it seems like there's a lot of confidence lacking, and then Cassius Winston just would save them with four seconds left on the shot clock, and that can work against Rutgers, but that's not going to work too much longer. So hopefully uh, with the two more tune up games coming up, which we'll talk about, they uh they get a lot of things worked out.
0: Yeah, and uh I, I honestly I still expect them to um I I I genuinely had a thought and th- this whole situation sucks. Um with with what happening with Zachary Winston, obviously cuz it, it just makes the whole thing weird. Like I I can't I can't even like make fun of Michigan State for the slow start cuz you know, empathy Right. Like <laughs> this isn't your normal. Yeah, totally. Oh, my rival who was rated number one in preseason is now like on a, not having a great start. Ha ha ha. Because I'm not going to blame the entire thing. I don't think MSU is shooting poorly from three because of what happened. Right. However, just, right. you know, your entire headspace is affected. Um. And that really? Well, they're
1: not allowed to move on. I, you know, that was that drove me crazy. I don't know what it is. So, so the death happens, right? And then the game the next day is on BTN. So BTN has aired a game since this happened, Uh, but apparently it wasn't these announcers. So they felt they had to ask both Cassius and Tom Izzo in their post game interviews about the situation. Like, when when can they have a post game interview that we don't have to address that? And that's now it's every. You know, when ESPN gets their first game, they want to talk about it and ask all their questions because they haven't gotten to answer, you know, ask their questions. But BTN, you've had a game. There was no reason to continue to bring it up. Um, you know, not that Izzo or Winston seemed taken aback or offended by the questions, but it's just, it just, it, should, it serves as a reminder to fans that we maybe have moved on because games have continued to happen, but these guys are living it. And even if they're trying to move on, they're being asked about it. It's just, it's going to yeah. be there all season. And they're going to have to find a way to cope and and get their performance up. But I think that we as fans really tried to move on way too quickly from that and are not really keeping in mind that there's they've had no respite from this since no. the day that it happened.
0: No, not at all. And I think you nailed it on the head when you said, like, it's it's not going to stop this season, I don't think. Like, No. I, because if, then
1: you go to the they tournament, turn it it's going to be, you know, everyone who hasn't been following all season, they have to do the, the interest story on it to catch all those people up. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be a thing everywhere.
0: Yeah. If they go, if they make a run in March and go to the final four, it's going to be, Hey Cassius, uh, what does this mean with your brother Zach passing away just four months ago? Like it, it's, it, it's not going away. And it just even further, breaks my heart for this kid because he's already like in public complained about not being able to mourn like a normal person because if he goes outside he's gonna have somebody trying to talk to him like hey man I'm sorry for your loss but he he feels like he never gets to be alone and I feel it breaks my heart for him that it's gonna be all season because he's in the national spotlight you know he went into this year being hailed as like gonna be a top five contender to be national player of the year And then this happens when he has that spotlight just kills me.
1: Yeah. I would like, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to speak for him or I I trust that the program has asked him and, and he's volunteered, but I'd be cool if they just allowed him to skip some post game questions and uh, just, you know, play, get your shower, go home. I, I, you know, the press availability is for the press me as a fan I don't need him out there answering stuff if he's wanting to do it and he's willing, that is more power to him Uh, he's a better man than me I I wouldn't want to do that um but if we can find a way you know request it from BTI, request it from anyone just maybe let him not have to do as much press availability just because uh you know let him let him come off the game from Rutgers and just think about how he played a good game don't have to bring up Hey, man, so how's it like playing through all this? You know, you asked him that two weeks ago when you had our game. Just leave it alone at this point.
0: Yeah. So to get to the actual basketball, the the fun portion of this. Well, fun is a bad word because we're talking about Rutgers basketball. They, they play some ugly ball, man. I watched spurts of this game, and I watched it a couple of points where they were in it. And I'm looking, and I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. They they play some ugly basketball. It feels like half of their possessions end up being isolation opportunities. Like they're not actually running anything to get anybody open. It's uh you no know, the only fun
1: part of uh, Rutgers is that freshman point guard they have. He made some sweet passes uh, throughout yeah, yeah. the game. But other than that, yeah, it's uh, it's not fun to watch. And uh, their players are baby. Baby shit soft, because if you give them just a chance about Sia, they have to flip the uh, crowd off. Like, they've never been fouled out of a game before.
0: Yes. I am glad you're just calling him soft, because if, uh, if I have to hear one more complaint about class again, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to oh, do man. some serious stuff. Uh, why do, since why, why do sports have to be classy? Have some class. No. Make it more entertaining. Flip them off. I don't care. And then the other, and then they should call you soft. Like, let let. It's well, a line that you I don't know. cross. But I I loved it. It's hilarious to me. I love when Marcus Hall gave the double bird big house on his way out.
1: <laughs> there's one person who probably should be telling him to have some class. That's maybe his own coach. Yeah. Only well, yeah. because his own coach just doesn't want to have to answer for it. Because his own coach in private is probably like, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> like, come yeah. on, man. It's. The kids followed, like, I guess uh, my thing is, I you know, I'll, I'll fully admit that I'm a humongous tripper and I never quit running my mouth. That's why I'm on a podcast, right? Um, <laughs> but I love when I would get that reaction that someone's like, sweet, I'm pissing them off. They just showed me that I'm pissing them off. So,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah
1: I, I wouldn't complain about classy. I'd be like, good, what we're doing is working. They fell for the shot clock multiple times as a fellow conference opponent. which only should happen to non-conference opponents. Rutgers yourself for it multiple times. They should be mad at
0: our crowd. I I did see in the halftime show that Tim Miles, former coach of Nebraska, (laughs) was able to get the sheet they pass out for the Izzone. He's like, I'm not going to say who got it for me, but I got my hands on it and gave it to my team to tell them. And I'm like...
1: (laughs) You know how he got those. I think it was probably just sitting on someone's chair. But yeah. I still love that he made it a whole like he made it a whole spy thriller like Yeah. That's yeah, the most I Nebraska ever, ball. You know. shit. Yeah. That's At the most ball shit. At this point Nebraska I do want to sit down and shit. question everyone in the Izzone from Nebraska and say, Are you an inside man?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's the most Nebraska ball shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> see the see the is own uh pamphlet sitting on a chair. And act like you're some big bad spy who's able to who has sources <laughs> inside the zone. Oh my god! Uh, I love Tim Miles. No, I don't
1: want anyone to ever Tim ever hire Tim Miles because I just want Tim Miles on my TV more.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, do we have anything else to say about this game before we get to Michigan Iowa?
1: No, no. I actually have a lot of questions about Michigan Iowa because I only followed it through Twitter, but. Uh, you have a hot take on Michigan's defensive strategy.
0: Yeah. So, for those who don't know, the final score was Michigan 103, Iowa 91. Um, Michigan allowed 91 points, and I actually liked what they did on defense. Um, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, A, Luca Gar- Lucas Garza – what or no, it's it is Luca. Okay, Luca Garza is absurd. So, first of all, they his usage rate. Um, I just want to like go and just to show people, uh, give them context for what I'm about to tell them. A usage rate of 24 to 28 percent makes you a major contributor on Ken Pom. Uh, Luca Garza's usage rate. They used him on forty five percent of their possessions. Forty five percent. So he's, he's he scored forty four. True
1: to what they always like to say of like they run the offense through him. No, they literally ran the offense
0: through him. Yeah, it, it's absolutely insane. Forty four points on seventeen of thirty two shooting, uh, ten of thirteen from the line. I, I know, and six offensive rebounds. So. I know that sounds bad. However, I do want to say that he had an insane night. Like, he does not shoot that percentage this season at all. He won't. I'm just guaranteeing it. Because, you know, it's very unlikely. That's not the type of player he is. But by letting him do the offense and not double teaming him, you're forcing them to hit their threes over you. And that's what Iowa loves to do, is they love to get it down to Garza, get a double team, and try and then use some ball movement to find an open three. But if you're not letting them get you from three, they shot 20%, three of 15 from three-point range, you're likely going to go score more than them on the other end because their defense is very, very bad. So, I don't know for sure that that was Michigan's strategy of just single-team Garza and prevent them from shooting threes. But if it was, I liked it, regardless of how it happened. Um, maybe I'd be saying something different if Michigan didn't shoot uh, 64% from two and 41% from three. Uh, but they won. So, it, 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 in it all. Sounds it like a
1: good... Uh... It sounds like a game that, um, to be honest, the way you're describing it, it sounds like a Jawan Howard playing, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but playing NBA defense, right? Like, Absolutely. He's going to yeah. get his points. He's going to get his points. We're going to let him do it. But he's not going to dictate that we're going to flip out because some guy's got 20 points. I'm not going to change our defensive philosophy and then have you hit a three on us. Just let him keep hitting twos. Yeah. I'm okay with that, it, which it, is a uh, good – nba coach mentality but you don't see a lot of college coaches have that or just because you have less possessions and you know you you're a little bit more nervous or college coaches are a little bit more controlling over uh the sets run or you know your systems and everything but no it sounds like he kind of coached you like an nba game and hey it worked for michigan right they got a 12 point win
0: It, it did um but you know who else in college did this john beeline um he didn't do it every time but if the matchup called for it, he would. And I remember this because last year in the second matchup against Wisconsin after they uh, beat us in the Kohl Center, um, when it was at Chrysler, they did the same thing to Ethan Half. They single teamed him, and he had like a huge first half, like 20, 25 points in the first half, and Michigan was up by six. And then in the second half, they continued to let him have the ball and the law of averages started to occur. He started missing these shots. He started regressing back to the mean, and that's when Michigan pulled away. Um, Unfortunately, Garza never regressed to the mean. (laughs) He just kept making it. But luckily, uh, they are a sieve on defense, and Michigan had – One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight contributors who played enough minutes and got enough touches to warrant an O rating on Ken Palm. And you know how we talked about 100 being that line where 100 is a good O rating and anything above and beyond that is great? Michigan had one player sub-100 out of those eight. Seems good. That includes Austin Davis, who had 10 minutes, an O rating of 154 and eight points. <laughs> yeah, Iowa's, that's, uh, Iowa's defense that's is That's the Darko
1: Milicic effect.
0: Yeah, Iowa's defense is horrible, and we'll get to this more in the Big Ten section. Minnesota only scored 52 points on them last night. <laughs> this uh, is, that came...
1: Brendan... Three it's days after in the
0: Michigan
1: season. scored 103. <laughs> Brandon, it's early in the season. And if I know one thing, one thing about the Pacino family, they don't blow things early in the season. They don't mm-hmm. let it all go quickly.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Those jokes are <laughs> never going to get old. And I really hope there's somebody, somebody out there listening right now that has no idea what that meant. <laughs> um, So... Other than that, though, this did this game did come off of the heels of the loss at Louisville, so this was a good rebound game, especially for the uh, offense. After you only score uh, forty-three, I believe, against Louisville, coming out and putting up a fifty-piece in the first half feels pretty nice. Um, Franz Wagner is getting better every game. Every time he goes out there, he looks better, and that's to be expected. You know, he's coming off of a, a fractured wrist and getting his first college minutes in a schedule that is brutal. So it is as expected that he is getting better every outing and getting more comfortable. He really did look fantastic this game. Ended up putting up 18 points. Nine of those for, were from the free throw line. He was driving quite a bit in his length for some contact. Almost every time he drove um also doing a better job of finishing unlike Mr. Patino. also Brandon Johns
1: (laughs) I was waiting for it
0: yeah um Brandon Johns so I think it's time to talk about him because a lot of people went into this year thinking okay if Michigan's gonna take the next step they need him to make the sophomore leap and he's come out and he really hasn't he I wouldn't call him disappointing But just he he hasn't been the player that a lot of people expected. And I think eventually we will get what was expected, probably his junior or senior year. Uh, But he's been a really fun contributor. Uh, He did play about half the game this time, pulled down five offensive boards. I think most of those came in the first half. Um, So he's a really fun contributor, and he's one of those guys who is just giving it their all every time he's out there. Diving for loose balls uh just putting in the maximum effort sometimes he makes some mind boggling uh plays, but that's okay, yeah, he had the highest o rating by the way of Michigan at one ninety four so <laughs> yeah, just crazy this this was a weird game man Friday night basketball on uh f s one it it got weird for sure,
1: yeah it's uh it is weird. Like I didn't really think about that. College basketball on a Friday does not happen often. It seems like it's been happening more, uh, since like Fox got the uh rights a couple years ago. Um, for some obviously for the football but also some basketball games. But yeah, I can't remember ever really watching a Friday night college basketball game. So
0: F S one I guess weird stuff it goes it down, you know. Yeah, F S one started it last year. Um 'Cause they're just trying to get any viewers they can scrape in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of scraping, the
0: Bikino family Ah <laughs> uh, uh wait. No, you don't play Louisville or Minnesota next. <laughs> Listen, I'm just r really, I'm trying to get a season
1: desist order from Greece, okay?
0: <laughs> All right. Let's let's we This uh, Patino nonsense has lasted way longer than expected, which is unusual mm-hmm. for them. So Yeah,
1: more than nine seconds is what they say.
0: Yeah. Let's get to the Michigan State previews for next week. Uh, they play Oakland and Northwestern before we will record next. Uh, so not really a, a difficult schedule, but maybe an annoying one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the positive that I take out of it is that Uh, My tradition, because we play Oakland too much, I put that in my notes. I'm sick and tired of playing them because they're going to beat us one year and it's going to infuriate me uh, to no end because they're just going to become the CMU of football where I just don't want to play them because there's always that chance that they're going to beat us again. Um, Not that they have yet, but I mean, once they crack that uh, for the first time. But uh, I do – Appreciate playing Oakland because it always reminds me to watch Animal House. Because when you play flounder in basketball, you're like, Oh, well, I've got to go, I got to watch Animal House now. So, yeah, that's that's my positive that I'm taking out of playing Oakland. Is uh, I get to watch Animal House this week, and that's one of my favorite movies.
0: Makes sense, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I just want but you uh, to be aware. I, are you all aware that Oakland and Michigan State have a deal to play for the next six years in a row?
1: Painfully aware.
0: Oh, yeah. Painfully okay. aware. Just making sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't like it. I don't know why.
1: The nice news is they uh, they don't have any NBA talent on the roster the way that they did the last time we played them. So uh, I think I should be less scared of this team, which means it's going to be a terribly scary game, of course. Um, but, yeah, they, uh, they're not quite as good as what they have been. Uh, just running through some of the numbers, um, looking at where they rank right now. They're 195th in Torvik. Uh, which is the free site, which is why Brendan will use Ken Palm, and I'll, write, I'll throw out some Torvik love here. Um, just to put that in perspective, Northwestern is 102. Oh, so, man. Oakland is 93 spots below Northwestern, who is the second worst team in the Big Ten, and yes, Oakland is worse than Nebraska on Torvik. So, that's not good. That is, that, the people say that's bad. Um, they... Uh, are slightly better at defense, but still in the hundreds. Their offense is 245th on uh, adjusted offense efficiency. Um, so yeah, they don't frighten me nearly as much this week. Uh, the Torvik line had MSU by 16. I would feel pretty pretty confident in a cover on that. What yep. what say you?
0: Yeah, the Ken Palm line on is is seventeen, so they're they're almost in agreement. This is going to be a painful evening for Oakland fans. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I I really don't see this being close. Uh, that super low offensive efficiency is probably good for an MSU defense that kind of feels like they're trying to find their way still. Uh, maybe stuffing Oakland in a locker will help the confidence.
1: Oh. That uh, leaves me right into something that I was gonna, that I wanted to bring up about their stats as well. Um, but I think it, you're exactly right with something that I was going to kind of say about Oakland and how they could help MSU feel better about their defense. And also, if you're worried about a, uh, an upset possibly to Oakland, they are horrific at three-point shooting. Um, the best percentage of anyone who has shot at least Ten free ten, sorry, three pointers is thirty three percent. As great. a team total, they have hit. Let's see here. We're at 15. yeah. They have only hit forty three three pointers as an entire team so far.
0: Jeez, that is miserable. That is miserable because they yeah, have they play at least eight or nine games by now.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they,
0: they played don't hit the
1: three very well. 10? Yeah, they 10. yeah. Ten, 10 games, and they've hit, I think, like you said, 43 threes. Just for comparison, Cassius Winston himself has hit 19.
0: So, <laughs> On a team that is shooting the three ball very poorly. Um, very yeah, Maryland, poorly, very poorly. Yeah, um, Maryland beat them by 30 already this year. And Maryland, unless something went horribly wrong, just lost to Penn State.
1: That they, yeah yeah I think, uh, I think Penn State finished it off. But again, as we're giving Torvik some love, that is number sixteen, Penn State. But still, Maryland, you shouldn't be losing that game. No they football.
0: Yeah, they should not. Uh,
1: yeah. So, Oakland's best threat is a six foot seven forward he does not have any outside game at all uh Xavier Hill Mays uh he's uh he's their leading scorer with 14 points a game but again yeah i would i would look for Tillman Hall or Bainum some combination of that group to uh to hold him down and hopefully get open to a big first half lead and just kind of coast the second half uh because they they should definitely put this away early
0: I'm sure they will, um, and they're going to do the same thing to Northwestern too.
1: Yeah, uh, all I can say is Northwestern uh, looks pretty similar. They, they have the thing about Northwestern is they have some de- uh, sorry, decent defensive numbers, uh, which the you know will happen when you play a 58-44 game against Purdue. Uh, your offense is going to look terrible, but your defense is going to rank out pretty well. Um, but, again, all I need to say about Northwestern basketball this season, their starting two-guard uh, won the Tewarton Award last year. And if you're thinking, oh, they have an award winner. That's pretty good. What's the Tewarton Award? I haven't heard of that one. You probably haven't heard of that one because that's given to the player of the year in Division One men's lacrosse.
0: <laughs> I cannot and, believe the Big Ten team has a player who just spent the last four years of his life playing collegiate lacrosse, and he starts.
1: And he didn't even play it at Northwestern. He played it at Loyola Maryland. So, um,
0: which he basically in, said, in terms of get a grad is degree,
1: <laughs> how I imagine this happened in my fan fiction that I like to write is that he was just on campus touring for a grad program, and Chris Collins was crawling on the ground as he does, <laughs> and he just said, "Wow, you're a really tall guy." Again, not realizing that he was crawling like a dog on the ground, and he said, "You should come play basketball." And the kid was like, "Well, will you pay for my grad school?" And he said, "Yes." That yeah. end of story. And he now starts. So yeah, uh, I am him. super, super looking forward to MSU uh, somehow <laughs> allowing Pat Spencer to score any points. It will make me mad, but then I will just remember that I, as a hockey player, have to be happy when a lax bro does anything good. So uh, yeah, and that's what I'm most looking forward to. I'm looking forward to an award-winning lacrosse player. Playing Division One basketball against Michigan State in a conference game—a <laughs> conference game, Brendan. Nine out of conference. I can't wait.
0: That's uh, gonna be awesome. I. Oh my god.
1: I need to watch more Northwestern games. That's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> if you hate yourself, okay. Oh yeah,
1: man. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Torvik somehow likes them a little bit, though. He only has MSU winning by six, and he has DePaul, the recently no longer undefeated DePaul only beating them by five. So, uh, maybe the defense is just going to make everything ugly for Northwestern. And that is how they, uh, stay around, I guess.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just to, it's, it's at Northwestern. So I think that's probably why they see it closer. What they're not factoring in is the fact that it'll be more MSU fans there, but whatever. Um, that unlike- is true because they has MSU winning at home by fourteen. So yeah, uh,
1: that I think you're right. It's about cutting the it's cutting the spread in half, uh, which seems generous for playing at Northwestern. But again, they have a four legged coach, so
0: that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. So unlike Michigan State, Michigan has two games against opponents with pulses this week. Um, they're going to travel to Illinois tomorrow night. Or when you're listening to this, it's most likely going to be tonight. Uh, when, that's a Wednesday night game against, at Illinois. in uh, only the second true road game of Juwan Howard's tenure. First road Big Ten game. Uh, this one is actually uh, supposed to be pretty competitive. <laughs> Illinois is ranked 43rd in Ken Palm. And he has this as a 71-70 Michigan win. Um, Obviously, the home court advantage is baked pretty heavily into that because when, if, nope, there is no return game in Ann Arbor. Yeah, there is. In the return game in Ann Arbor, he has it as an eight point Michigan win. But uh, it's going to be a tight game. Some reasoning for that uh, they have a player named Kofi Cockburn. Which just sounds like an STD, but actually he's pretty damn good. I thought we would move down from the Patino talk. I know, but it, come, come on, it was too. <laughs> <deep>. Um, <laughs> Cockburn is a really good player, though. In all seriousness, um, he's got he's their highest used player, which is very annoying because Michigan just played a team who plays through their center. Uh, he's a seven foot tall freshman who is operating on about 29% usage, um, and and he's going to be their best player. He blocks a lot of shots on the defensive end, uh, generates about... Okay, I don't see true points per game here. However, uh, he's still going to be a really solid player for them, and they're probably going to run their offense through them. The only thing here is that unlike Iowa... Michigan probably doesn't have to worry about the three point line line here. Illinois doesn't score a lot of threes, uh, so maybe maybe they will uh, double team Cockburn. I'm really not sure um, what the it'll be interesting to see their strategy. Um, just as an aside, Brendan Quinn already confirmed he's doing the the game through the eyes of Jawan Howard article because it's at Illinois, like you did last year with Beeline and Izzo, and I cannot wait um just...
1: so we just got done making fun of how few threes oakland makes to back up your point illinois in one last game played uh has only four less threes made they have 39 so yeah that uh yeah i don't think you you shouldn't be nervous about their three-point shooting so it might be a game to uh to double down a little bit inside this time around
0: yeah, and uh, just a, another couple things about Illinois. They give up a lot of transition buckets, uh, so that's something I think Michigan fans can look for, uh, is crashing the glass and beating them down the court. Uh, and they also – no, that's that's it. Oh, Ayo DeSumo, or DeSumo is a player. He was a freshman last year, and he is super fun, really athletic, um kind of the type of player that the NBA is looking for nowadays. He is a six foot five guard um, and just he is all of that six foot five. He is so long. He doesn't have a single block this year. And yet, Illinois is still top 15 in the country blocking shots. That's been the most surprising part about this team. I only knew to look for that. Because of the moving screen pad, but so credit to them for talking about how AO didn't have a block. But that led me to discover they're still really good at blocking shots. Don't really anticipate it being too much of a factor considering the length of the people who tend to drive for Michigan, being Wagner, uh, John, well, not John's as much, but Teske. Um, but it, that is definitely something to watch for when. Uh, Eli and Xavier drive the lane as those shots get blocked. I have a feeling we're going to see a few skyhooks yeah. in this one uh, trying to get over there Yeah, that I mean,
1: you, once you go inside, you're going to be dealing with Kofi Cockburn or uh, someone that I remember from MSU's game against Illinois last year and uh, uh, Georgie Beza Mishavili, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, and he had a great game against Michigan State. I know his brother was over from Europe and – Uh, in the crowd and remember him having a good year. So uh, those two both average over two blocks a game right now. So that'll be – those will be the guys I agree with you, the skyhook. And can Xavier go uh, show that off a little bit, probably for the first time this year as his uh, favorite shot again? Uh, This seems like it's time for him to come out with that.
0: Yeah, uh, he he hit a couple against I think one or two against Iowa and has flashed it a little bit this season, but not nearly as much as it was his junior year. Uh, one last thing, now that we've been talking about Xavier for a little bit, a big thing here is um, watching for him. Uh, he he's had this tendency this year. now that they're playing faster, to turn the ball over a little bit more, and Illinois loves trying to be wacky and cause some crazy. Turnovers and get some steals. And usually, if they get an upset, that ends up being why. I remember when MSU lost at Illinois last year, they turned the ball over so much. Um, and so, that's something where uh, in the past, I think his sophomore year, he got a little bit lost there when they're playing that type of defense and turned the ball over a ton. I'll be really interested to see if he can do what he did last year in his junior year and uh, keep calm and really keep the turnovers under control or if we see a regression there but either way uh, that game's about as close to 50 50 as you can get per ken pom i think ken pom might be overrating the uh uh, the alina a little bit um and to be honest after what they showed me at maryland a couple weeks ago where they had like a nine point lead with three or four minutes left and they completely blew it I'm not sure if they have what it takes to hold off a team like Michigan if they start running back. Um, but I think it will be a really interesting game. Um, do you have any thoughts on who you think is going to win?
1: No, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Torvick actually is just like Ken Pons, you know, one-point difference, uh, 72-71. So it seems like it's going to be a toss-up. Um, you know, uh, the only is Louisville the only true road game you guys have at this point in the season?
0: I'm sorry. What was that?
1: Is Louisville the only other true road game you guys have played this season?
0: Yeah, it is. Um, okay, so that yeah. would be interesting to see. I think. Uh, I
1: think. Uh, like I said, like you said, the numbers show at a home court. Uh, I would feel pretty confident taking Michigan, but I think it'll be interesting to see them challenged with uh, with kind of two different things. It's it's a, a second road game of the year. They obviously really struggled. Their only other road game, and on top of that. Uh, do they maybe get some of that dangerous of, like, look ahead to Oregon at all um, since that's the other game they have coming up. So uh, I think it'll be close. I think Michigan's the better team, but, I, you know, no result would shock me, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the only one that might shock me is if Michigan gets blown out. That's that's really the only – That's true. Yeah, that, that's really that. the only way this goes where I'd be shocked. I would not be surprised to see them lose a close one, although it would do a lot for me uh, in my faith in this coaching staff if they can uh, get them to go on the road and play a tough game and when it gets close at the end, if they can hold it together and eke out a good win, uh, it'd be really impressive. Uh, so, yeah, that's really my only thoughts on that one. Uh, The Oregon game is also very interesting. Uh, Not that the AP AP poll matters much, but it is now officially a top-ten matchup, Michigan versus Oregon on Saturday um, at noon, I believe. Uh, And Oregon has an elite scoring attack. Um, They are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation uh, at number 17 in three-point percentage. Uh, It'll be important to run them off the line, which, good news, Michigan is good at. They do not give up a a lot of threes at all. They're also 35th in the nation in defensive three-point percentage. Honestly, that might be where the game is won. Um, But really, it's going to be the Xavier Simpson versus Peyton Pritchard uh, show because – Pritchard is going to be the best point guard Michigan's going to face outside of Cassius Winston all year. He is, I believe, a senior. Let me just confirm that. But he is a really, really talented player who is definitely going to try and will this team as far as they can go, which was seen at the Battle for Atlantis. They were out of a couple games. Even their first one against Seton Hall, they were down big. And in every single one, they fought back and at least made it close. Uh, So that'll be really interesting to see how the two senior point guards duel between Pritchard and Simpson. Um, You know, Simpson's only six foot. Pritchard only has a two inch height advantage on him. Uh, He shoots the ball really well. He's actually the number nine player in the country. According to Ken Palm, they rank the top 10 over there and he's the ninth ranked player. So, He's a really, really strong player, and I am really looking forward to see how Xavier uh, plays him defensively because he's been known to take guys like that and kind of shut him down. But then really the only one who's gone and done work on him is Cassius Winston. So it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I love watching a good point guard matchup. So I think uh, that combined with what should be a good jersey matchup, uh, if I can channel your spirit for a little bit, uh, makes this game incredibly watchable. Um, and uh, one that uh, we didn't get a chance to see in, uh, in the tournament down uh, in Atlantis, but cool we get to see it here in the regular season and uh, see what happens when Michigan is a top opponent again, but not in like a weird ballroom in the Caribbean, uh, yes. more of a standard setting.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, one, say, one thing I will say, I said they have an elite offense. Um, somewhere, a, kind of a chink in the armor, their offensive rebounding percentage that they give up, um, they are 316th in the country at giving up offensive rebounds. Um, they give up 33.4% of their opponent's misses are rebounded. So that's something that I think Michigan should really try and take advantage of by crashing the boards and um, you know trying to create some extra possessions out of misses because that could be huge in a game where this is an offense that absolutely has the capability to try and go on a shootout with you. And uh, Michigan could make a dent into that by trying to go ahead and get some offensive rebounds, which has not been a thing that Michigan has done a lot in the past, Juwan Howard has definitely. That would
1: show that this is not a B line team anymore. That's for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Juwan Howard has definitely shown that he's able to tailor a game plan around an opponent. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what we have this week. It's definitely a big week for Michigan before they play two nobodies before uh, going to the Breslin Center in a couple weeks. So, so last big week of basketball before January. Um,. Man, we have taken a while to go through all this stuff so far. I I thought we'd have a lot more time for this Big Ten talk, but we're going to go through it pretty quick. Um, So we wanted to add some Big Ten talk at least maybe every other week. If it's going well, then every week um, to the basketball and hockey sections, touch on the rest of the conference. Um, This week we have a couple fun stories. I already mentioned Minnesota only scored 52 points on Iowa – four, no, three days after Michigan scored 103 on Iowa. I imagine
1: that Fran McCaffrey just broke chairs over their legs, and that, that was why. I don't know why that isn't a bigger national story. Uh, we have the NHL firing coaches for player abuse. I don't know how we're letting Fran McCaffrey stick around them when he's breaking chairs on young men's legs.
0: Yeah, it's really uh, – Fran McCaffrey is insane. Uh, and so that is why I will not endorse whatever he did to get them to play better defense, because it was probably unethical. Um, <laughs> Purdue, we mentioned this also, only scored 58 on Northwestern. So that's gross. Uh, I do follow some Purdue accounts, though, that saying they're getting the same looks they were when they blew Virginia out. They were just not hitting all of them. Um so, yeah, that was probably a super ugly game, and I'm very glad I didn't watch a second of it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, all Purdue basketball is an avoidance for me. Uh, if I see harms or anything like that, I, just, I get angry right away. So I'm watching my blood pressure and not having to see them this year <laughs> until um, we have to play them, I guess.
0: Yeah, another fun item, Indiana got blown out by Wisconsin. You know, this was a thing where Indiana looked pretty good going into this game. They were 8-0. Uh, they were ranked in uh, 26 on Ken Palm. And then they walked into the Kohl Center where they hadn't won since the year I was born, 1998. And <laughs> people thought this was the year. And they got beat 84-64 to against a Wisconsin team that is not your Wisconsin not your not your mama's Wisconsin. Um they're they're bad. They've lost to Richmond, New Mexico, and St. Mary. Well, St. Mary's isn't too bad. But they have lost to Richmond and New Mexico and then came home to blow out Indiana. Which reminds me of a comparison is that Indiana basketball under Archie Miller equals Michigan football under Brady Hoke. Ooh, you beat some bad teams in the beginning. You have a delusional fan base that just wants to go back to the 70s and 80s. And then, you play a real team, and it all comes crashing down. It's way funnier from the outside.
1: So much more fun. It, it's hilarious. And shout out to, uh, to loyal listener Eric. Uh, Archie Miller got dunked on. Uh, it continues to happen. Uh, he shouldn't have left Dayton. Dayton's in better hands now. <laughs> um i i love watching archie getting dunked on because he looks like a he looks like a guy that should live in a locker and that locker is where you and i keep pushing him into it um so yeah him him getting dunked on by uh by wisconsin even though i hate all things the cole center uh i'll take them beating up on those candy stripe jerks
0: yes yes so that brings us to a conversation that it looks like we disagreed with in our notes. Um, I think that the Big Ten has a clear top four competing for the Big Ten title of Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Maryland. And you think Purdue's in there. Because I asked the question in our notes, is, or is Purdue in there? And you said yes. I see it as there is a very clear top four. I think Purdue is fifth, and they are a clear fifth. So, and then there's another gap between the rest of the conference, the next tier, I think. I genuinely think so,
1: that
0: – I don't think Purdue is going to lose many games at all to any team ranked six through fourteen, but I think they are going to really struggle to beat any of the top four.
1: Yeah, I guess if we're looking at just – are they going to actually compete for a top four spot? I, I mean, I think I could agree with you there. Uh, But I think that they belong in the conversation because this is where we can maybe compare how much uh, preseason weighting goes into these. What is Purdue right now in Kenpom by chance?
0: Uh, Let me look into it. They are sixth.
1: (laughs) See, yeah. And they're fourth in Torvik, which would put them second in the Big Ten because Ohio State's number one. So I think just for that reason alone, as I was looking into you know, their season and where they're at. The numbers look very good. Uh, obviously, the win-loss record is strong. I don't know if they've really seen a ton of good tests to this point, and that's okay. Six and three, so the same record as MSU uh, with a really close loss to Florida State. But they did blow the brakes off of Virginia um, and the ACC Big Ten Challenge and have kind of been on a pretty nice run. But I, uh, it's also fair to say they really have a outside of that Virginia game they really haven't played anyone great uh you know they played a Marquette and Texas teams that are in like the 28 to 32 range of rankings so um I'm fair to say I I can agree that their numbers are probably a little bit overwhelmed uh but I just thought they should probably at this point it'd be unfair to say they're not in the conversation but yeah. I can agree with you that they're going to be at number five pretty clearly but I think I think there's enough separation between five
0: and six that it's okay
1: to just say there's a top five and and Purdue is pretty
0: safely 5th You're right. It just reminds me of like the premier league where there's like the top six and then every year it's different. It was Everton for a while. There's a seventh team and they're not good enough to be a part of the big six. And like, but they are a cut above everybody else. And it's just, it feels like a similar dynamic to me. Um, but so yeah. you tell
1: me that uh, you just tried to tell me that Purdue is Wolverhampton and I'm not okay with that because I don't
0: want that. Don't Face put that email on me. Face the facts, Jeremy. You're a boilermaker. All right. Let's get to oh hockey. God. The the Lord's sport. Um MSU <laughs> Don't have a They're th- hashtag good, Brendan. Yeah, don't have a three one lead against MSU, man. It's it's not fun. I can endorse that and so can Wisconsin fans now.
1: You know who loves MSU the most is old white hockey announcers because they're gonna get to drop that line that is the most dangerous lead in sports so often. Uh, every time, apparently when they go in with a three one deficit going into a third period. So, you know, finally in twenty nineteen we can say old white men are getting something good to happen to them in this country, Brendan.
0: Yeah, after so many years of hard, hard work <laughs> and misfortune, the white uh, male now uh, has something going for them.
1: The, the pure, unadulterated uh, joy that I felt watching a Granado coach team just completely choke on their own vomit at arena it was so sweet, Brendan. There's, there's no hockey team I love beating more than probably Wisconsin. And it was just—it just felt so good.
0: I'm so happy for you, in all honesty, because you know having to go through a couple of years of Michigan just being a train wreck, but they were still never much as much of a train wreck as some of those Anastas teams. Uh, and now I am a Red Wings fan, which is probably a similar thing to being a fan I've of the Anastas. As
1: we're talking, they just gave up three goals to the Jets in about a minute. So oh,
0: they gave up to—they gave up a third. Cool.
1: Yeah, Um, Line A scored a goal right off the faceoff after the third goal, so.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Aside, when I go there on Thursday, it'll be a month to the day since the Detroit Red Wings last won a game in regulation. Yeah, so, anyways, hockey. Michigan State swept Wisconsin, your second Big Ten sweep of the year. Don't know who the first was against. Don't bother looking it up. I mean (laughs) – that that's in that's great. I I, I'm I'm very happy for you. Uh, break break and
1: down the game. The, okay, yeah. So, um, Friday night was really just a clinic, man. They they won three nothing. At no point, they weren't really dominant in the way that like it wasn't like Wisconsin wasn't getting their chances. Heck, I mean, Cole Caulfield hit three posts in the third period alone. Um, but at the same time. It was one of those where they were opportunistic. They were getting their goals when they needed to. And it just felt like they were just kind of suffocating Wisconsin outside of that top line. Uh, The top line was going to get their points or get their chances, rather. But it wasn't going to be anyone beyond the top line. Uh, And then, you know, you go into Saturday and it just kind of feels like a, a typical, you know, you're in hoping for a sweep, and then pretty early on I thought, yeah, this is one of those typical you know, split-type games. Wisconsin against South scores early to get a 1-0 lead. Uh, Patrick Cotteranko makes a great individual play to tie the game up at one, which was great because it had been a few games since the first line had even registered a point, let alone a goal, which I wouldn't say it's concerning because MSU was getting some results that they liked, but when you're used to the KHL line being so – so key to you winning games last year uh, to have two, that top line minus Taro Hiroshi of course, now uh, not getting points was very concerning. Um, so you get in for to score, but then Wisconsin gets a couple goals. Uh, Cole Caulfield gets a couple. They go up three to one, and so you go into the third. And my thing was, I'm like, well, let's just keep it three to one or keep it close and maybe maybe have a chance to pull left. I mean, at the end of the period, because uh, Wisconsin's got the firepower that you go into a third, like, oh, this is reachable, and then it's a 7-1 loss before you know it, um, and yeah, they just made some great plays. Uh, Munn got very, very loud uh, in the third period, which was great to see. Uh, the tying goal was a shorthanded goal scored by Sam Saliva, um, and that place got really loud at that point, point. Uh, and they were 20 seconds away from a regulation win. Uh unfortunately couldn't finish it off, but then it it made for a beautiful bar down goal from Kodarenko in overtime. So uh it was a really fun game. Uh and it really to me showed that I don't now that you've put it together over like four weekends in a row, even though they got swept at Ohio State, um you put it together the performances they've had, I I'm pretty sure it's safe to say this team's gonna be a competitor through the end of the season. To, to stay in that top half of the league
0: yeah i mean we'll we'll talk about we'll talk more about it when we get into the big Ten talk for hockey, but I think that Michigan State is very safe to be in the top half and probably get a home playoff series, um, especially playing hockey like this It's really good to see I mean genuinely, if this first line for Michigan State comes alive uh you're probably looking at a tournament team here, um, at yeah. least a fringe. Tournament. now if
1: you are just to throw some cold water on it, one thing that is concerning is their Corsi numbers, their possession numbers are not very good um, actually uh, in the bottom 10 of the country. So they have gotten this a little bit due to uh, you know John Leffman, I think going into Friday's game had a safe percentage of 940, which is the highest in the big 10 and that's a for those who don't know, I mean you're happy if your' goalie is able to crack 93% save percentage. So a nine four zero is insane. Um, so that that has been helping a little bit. So they do need to get a little bit more evened out on the possession. Uh, but that'll happen. you you played the schedule they've played uh, against teams like Penn State and Ohio State. Your course is going to get tanked. Uh, and you're just lucky that you get out of that with a win. Um, but yeah, they, it doesn't get any easier. They now play the number nine team in the paralyzed rankings, Arizona state this weekend, who got a win in a tie against Denver, which is a top five team last weekend. So, uh, <laughs> I think they're going to enjoy Christmas break. It'd be nice to keep finishing strong, uh, show coach Antonio how you can beat Arizona state. Um, yes. uh, but it's, it's going to be a trickier weekend than, uh, than a lot of people figure because Arizona state's actually, uh, I thought they would regress more this year without Johnny Walker, and they, they're still just the same team. They're just as good.
0: Yeah, you know, real good feelings for uh, Michigan State fans about this hockey team, especially regarding, you know, the frustrations in the other sports. Michigan State fans, you need to get over to Mon. man. It, enjoy it while you have it, you know. Good hockey is fun to watch, especially, especially when some of your other sports are struggling. Um
1: yeah, not only just struggling, but I guess it's it's one of those things like this is your chance to uh to buy apple stock when it was cheap, right? I mean, get mm-hmm. in now uh you know it's it's like how fun it was with d'antonio got the football program going, but it also is different because this hockey program used to be something, and then it tanked for a decade, and now it's coming back around with an alum coaching. There's just tons of good things to go over there and see so. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a good time to come over and uh, and find another sport that doesn't frustrate you the way basketball will when they only win by twelve and you want them to win by thirty.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Michigan. Yeah, so let's talk
1: about those Wolverines. You got a, a pretty decent. You you guys continue to just piss piss it off at Yost.
0: Yeah, it was great, honestly. And for a while on Saturday, I thought it was going to continue. This was the mat- best series Michigan's played all year. They're playing against a top ten team. And this is a top this is a Penn State team. They outshoot everyone. Like their their strategy is throw the puck on net over and over and over again. And Michigan outshot them in both games. And I know they only won one, but that was in part to Peyton Jones. So you tweeted out Friday night that Letheman was the best goalie in the Big Ten. Um and I think he's definitely in the top three. Peyton Jones is nuts, dude. I like he was having me shake my fist in the air several times because I thought Michigan was a shoe in to score. A couple things where the players probably should have put it in, but a couple of them where he just flat out robbed them. Um, so he, he really would be my series MVP for Penn state. Cause they did not look that great. Uh, on the even on the power play, which they usually look really good at. Um, Luke Morgan has scored in three games in a row, two of those being shorthanded goals. The power play they actually move their feet and uh, create some passing lanes instead of getting in a diamond and just passing the puck over and over again. Uh, th- this team looks inspired they're playing some inspired hockey this weekend it was really good to see a uh, split is really okay against a penn state team that leads the big 10 in points and points per game and is on an absolute tear to be completely genuine um so uh, it feels a little bit better than after, than two weekends ago
1: yeah i think that's a great result uh and you really responded well um to, you know, maybe not getting sweeps like you like, uh, but I think Michigan's responded. And the the nice thing is that you close the gap on Wisconsin a little bit. You know, you pick up three points closer to them to try and get out of the basement. And with the way Minnesota is playing, it's, and with three points on the line every night, it's not like, yeah, Michigan sits last place right now, but that's, you're not, you're not locked into that for the whole season. You can easily, in two weekends, totally oh, change yeah. your outlook on that. Right. Like, so, I mean, um, still, Michigan is, still a chance for them to make some noise for sure.
0: Yeah. Michigan is six. They're one point back of Wisconsin and six points back of Minnesota. And, you know, for a minute, like even Minnesota, six points sounds like a lot. All it takes is one really good weekend at Mariucci and we're tied. You know? And, and that's. Yeah. That's absolutely. A, and so. I I said in my notes, if Michigan can get this effort and this quality of play in the second half of the year, I think they're definitely going to finish sixth, um, maybe even fifth, maybe catch Minnesota. Um, I, I really do. I think there's a chance Minnesota heats up a little bit just because they have so many freshmen that I think maybe in the second half start to come into their own and they start to heat up. But I think definitely if you play like this the rest of the year, you'll, you'll get past Wisconsin. And, um, I, I guess I'll play this into the, uh, big 10 talk because unfortunately it is the beginning of December and Michigan's already in the mode for, uh, if you want to make the NCAA tournament, you got to just start playing for your best possible seating in the big 10 tournament and go on a run. But, uh, yeah, and I think that's a fun goal for the season. Maybe not to actually make the NCAA tournament, but keep on climbing and trying to get the best seeding you can for the Big 10 playoffs and then be extremely annoying for some higher seeds. And I think if they're playing like this, they will be very annoying for some higher seeds. Um so the way it's separated, we keep on talking about the Big 4 in basketball or 5. Um it's genuinely there are 7 teams there is a top four that are all within 0.22 points per game of each other. Uh, Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan state, and Notre Dame. Then there's a team in the middle that doesn't belong to either. Minnesota has no clue what it's doing. It's 1.3 points per game compared to the 1.9 ish for those top four teams. And then Michigan and Wisconsin are at the bottom sitting around 0.7 and 0.8 points per game. Um, it's really interesting, I think, the way this is going on because a top four fighting for the Big Ten, I don't think we've ever seen this many teams. And it is still early, so there's lots of time for separation. But I think all four teams have a right to say we belong in the conversation for sure. And I don't know which one of them is going away.
1: Yeah, I think all four have some pretty good staying power. Um, you know, for MSU, they're real, the real thing that they'll be upset about is that they didn't get any points when they're at Ohio state. Uh, you obviously is going to make the return series when they come to mind, very important to, you know, you can't, you can't really say you want to compete at that top level if you're only getting, you know, anything less than six points off a team on the season, right? You got to at least split the home in a way. So, uh, yeah, you can't go over 12 against Ohio State on points. So that's going to make that series very that's big.
0: True. But I think Michigan went to the Frozen Four going over 12 on points against oh, Ohio State. And they lost to them in the Big Ten playoffs. <laughs> that, was, that was hell, by the way. But I'm just saying there are some matchup things where it could be done if you're getting your points against Penn State, which you've already gotten three on the road against, and uh, getting – was it three or four against Notre Dame at home? Uh, it
1: would have been
0: three. Okay. But either way, they're still getting points against people that are also in that top four, um, despite what happened at Ohio State. So they're still in a good position, and I do think they have some real staying power to fight. Uh, You know, it seems silly because of how quickly this is all happening, but if you're looking at this year isolated, Michigan State is in the conversation for a Big Ten championship.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they've done that, and I think uh, the team that they honestly match up the worst against is Penn State, and they got a road victory over them. So that could be very crucial uh, with Penn State. You know, the only time they're going to play them again in the regular season is going to be at Munn. and they played really well at Mon uh, outside of the Cornell series, uh, which again they're a top five team in the country, and it was early in the season, and you know did not play well, but outside of that game, I don't think they have lost a home game. So, uh, they've been excellent at home. They get Penn state and Ohio state. They've already got their road series out of the way. So the, the back end of the schedule is going to set up really nicely for them to have a lot of home series and a lot of home series against good opponents. Um, and actually I did speak earlier, uh, when they played Notre Dame, uh, they did get four points out of it because that was the one they lost in the shootout. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, a really, really fun finish the season, but they, uh, you know, looking at the schedule now, they've only got three road series after the Christmas break. So they have a chance to really get themselves uh, in a great position going into the big 10 tournament and where they are sitting at the pairways right now, there are a couple spots out of, an at-large bid. So, um, you know, finishing uh, finishing this Christmas break and going into the last half of the year, uh, and starting with a pretty manageable, you know, home series of Minnesota and at Wisconsin, they could really get on the roll.
0: They really could. Um, to kind of touch on scheduling things, Michigan only has six games left at Yost all year, unless you count the under-18 wow. exhibition. So, uh, while the schedule definitely favors Michigan State. Um, Michigan is going to have to play some really tough hockey if they want to try and catch Minnesota because, yeah, you have the GLI at the end of this month and then to open January. Yeah, Michigan's next game at Yost is January 31st. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be tough. They get uh, at Notre Dame and at Penn State before (laughs) welcoming Ohio State into Yost. The next series where I think I look at it and be like a sweep is probably a fair option is February 7th and 8th when Wisconsin comes into town. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough little bit, but um, regardless, it'll be a fun second half, I think, in the entirety of the Big Ten. This four-team race is going to be very interesting to go through. all right, and Jeremy is back, and none of you even noticed. <laughs> um, Jeremy there. Okay, so we are again having issues, and I do not know what's going on. Oh, can you hear on. me? Sorry, oh. I had you push down there, bud. Oh, you're good. I got you now. So, yes, we have Jeremy back. I was just talking about how the second half Big Ten race is going to be very good and fun, I think. Uh, and you guys might even get a little bit of stress out of it. So, ha-ha, sucker. How does it feel to have a good team?
1: You know, it's – like I said, I think my, my outlook on it was I think before the season started, even in my preview that I posted at Beneath the Pines and from the conversations we had, I said, you know, my goal for the season is to host a home series. As we kind of talked about with the way that the standings sit right now, and you you host a series if you're two through four, it'd be pretty surprising to see if they don't. So, um, you know, I think they're going to hit what my goal for the season was. So uh, I'm going to try and keep my expectations in check and say that everything after that is gravy. But we know that won't happen, Brendan. Uh, The Frozen Four is in Detroit. What I'm saying is we're going to have a home game uh, in Detroit. (laughs) We're going to make up for the fact that the basketball team got their – Doors blown off by North Carolina at Ford Field. And we're just going to have to win the championship in Little Caesars Arena. That's it, just it's – just, it's it's
0: going to happen now. Man, that's incredible. Make sure you
1: delete that, though, because I don't want you to post that after Arizona yeah. State sweeps up this weekend.
0: Yeah, of course. You literally went from I'm happy with the home playoff game to we're winning the natty <laughs> in between me saying things. So I, I love that Full energy. Thing. That's that's some good energy. Um, In reality, it's setting up where it is a realistic option here that we get a Michigan-Michigan State playoff series. I'm not saying it's the most likely.
1: The the 3-6 matchup seems like that could
0: really happen. Oh, for sure it does because I I could see you guys continuing to edge out Notre Dame or Ohio State, to be honest, down the stretch uh, despite what happened in Columbus. And I definitely could see Michigan passing Wisconsin. and then who knows if Michigan's peaking? Oh man, that's a lot. That's a lot because uh, if Michigan State's like right around fifteen or sixteen in pairwise <laughs> going into that, yep, you need a win. For and some, it's happened before. And the uh,
1: uh, oh man. the year that Michigan uh, got on a run with Sean Hunwick and won their way into the NCAA tournament uh, in the first round of the CCHA playoffs. They knocked out an MSU team with uh, Tory Krug on it. And I want to say that was one of Tommy's last years or the last time that he was on the bubble of making the tournament. Um, But, yeah, Michigan swept MSU at Munn, and then went on to win their way into the tournament as an auto bid and knocked MSU out of the tournament, basically that first weekend of the CCHA playoffs. So it's happened before. Uh, so I survived it, but I probably would be more upset this time.
0: Uh yeah. As a grown
1: adult. That's how we get, right? We get more upset by things as a grown that's that's the way advice life is supposed to be. You you lose more control of your emotions.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um yeah, I saw you tweeting through that Michigan uh Michigan Michigan State sweep and I know emotions were enhanced because of the football game also happening that weekend, but Oh man, I couldn't imagine the reverse of that happening in Michigan, going on <laughs> and ending your goddamn season. That would be wild. Uh, um, uh, my account might just be suspended. Yeah. Uh, with that, we will leave you folks. Um, going to try and do a better job of reminding you to please rate and uh, subscribe to the podcast um, and even leave a review if you're feeling kind. It very much would help us out and help us appear as suggestions to people on the iTunes store. Um, hopefully grow the show if you guys are liking it. So yeah, do that.
1: Yeah. Share us with your friends. Uh, uh, give the Twitter account a follow. Give me and Brendan a follow. We, uh, we definitely would love to interact with you guys and maybe as, uh, as football season has ended and we're getting into just the two sports here, um, try and bring back like a mailbag segment or things like that to answer your questions, especially if you you came to us mainly as a football fan and want to learn more about the other two sports or have some questions. There are no dumb questions. They're just
0: dumb people. And we host this podcast. So, you know, you can accomplish anything, Brandon. Yes. And with those reviews, you can tell us anything. If you want us, if you're sick of the Patino jokes, we'll try and finish them with 15 seconds or less.